Blog Talk Radio. The opinions and views expressed by the host and guest are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Blake Radio Network. Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world, broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world, spreading the news and information. BlakeRadio.com, music for your mind, body, and soul. Talk radio at its best. You're listening to Rainbow Soul from BlakeRadio.com. of the death of Stephen Biko. 
And for those of you who are unaware of who Stephen Biko was, he was a South African anti-apartheid activist, an African nationalist and socialist who was at the forefront of the grassroots anti-apartheid campaign known as the Black Consciousness Movement during the late 1960s and 70s. As a student studying medicine in 1966, Biko rose to a senior position in the National Union of South African Students, opposing the apartheid system of racial segregation and white minority rule. He felt black people had to organize and focus on ridding themselves of this system of racial inferiority. And due to his writing and the positions he held, Biko became an enemy of the state and was arrested on several occasions. Unfortunately, during one such incarceration, Steve Biko was tortured and beaten while in police custody and subsequently died of his injuries on September 12, 1977. Well, my guest today, Rudolph Shaw, has written a play entitled Biko Rising to commemorate the 40 years that have passed since Biko's death. Born in Guyana, Mr. Shaw is a playwright, actor, singer, reviewer, and Adelco Pioneer and Theater Award winner, as well as currently serving as the Executive Artistic Director of the Caribbean American Repertory Theater in New York. Mr. Shaw was encouraged to read the works of Stephen Biko and bring him to the living stage, and that is exactly what Mr. Shaw has done. Biko Rising will appear at the Castillo Theater, located at 543 West 42nd Street in New York City, for a two-day engagement, and that'll be on Saturday, June 17th at 7 p.m., and on Sunday, June 18th at 2. Anyway, interested parties can call 212-941-1234 at the Castillo Box Office for tickets. Well. Mr. Shaw has been waiting in the wings patiently, so let's welcome him to the show. How are you, Rudolph Shaw? I am fine, thank you. Um, I'm on a cell phone. Uh, what is this? This is a, an electronic phone. I'm sorry? I'm, I'm speaking to you on an electronic phone. If by chance the battery goes out, I will call you back on my cell, but it should be working fine. I'm just mentioning okay. that. <laughs> let's hold on. Let's hold, hold on, on for a good half hour. Well, let me ask you, since I mentioned that you were showcasing Biko Rising in Manhattan at the Castillo Theater, but I understand you're also doing another showing in Queens, so where is that and when is that? Uh, that is the Friday night before. The Friday before, we're doing a performance at the Char- L. Charles Gray Theater, which is located in the Presbyterian Church of St. Albans. Um Actually, the the theater is at the back of the church. Many times you mention to people that you're doing a play in a church and they think you're going to the altar. And um, it's Mm -hmm. not. They've done a very clever thing. Um, They've built a a stage at the back of the church. And um, we actually had a a tribute to Jamaican Trinidad over the weekend at the same space. And I remember uh, one actor showed up and said, well, how are the audience going to see the work? I said, we turned the pews around. <laughs> so they away <laughs> from the altar to the stage, and that's the theater aspect of that church community. And, and it's part, you know, the larger St. Albans community that we are trying to um, uh, do a lot 
of things and uh, in terms of myself um I contribute a lot in terms of theater um, because I also teach at the uh, Ronald McNair School in Cambria Heights through the CASA program. It's Speaking the of that, I see you. Go ahead. In, in Cambria Heights, and I've also done workshops at uh, two senior centers in uh, in the in the area. So I try to bring my talents to use in this community as much as I can. And I see that. I see that you have quite the experience in in the world of of entertainment. And so, how were you drawn to drawn to it? Was it at a very early age that you were, became interested in, in acting in the theatrical yes. well, performing arts? I think so. I, <laughs> my father was actually an actor, um, and you know, it's strange. I see a lot of my and Steve Biko, he was older than my than myself, but in terms of the the colonial upbringing, I was brought up in what was called British Guiana at the time, and um, I remember my mom mentioning that Eartha Kitt was black, and I, I and I, at first, you know, you wonder why she has to mention it, but then you realize that all the music you're hearing on the radio are of white singers, and. Um, then I was watching my father rehearse a play called The Monkey's Paw, and I remember his lines to this day because the black actors were really only allowed to participate in the National Drama Festival, and whereby a lot of the folk actors came out uh, from all over the country. They came to the city to perform, and, um, but the big theater was really reserved for the white people. And I will read about the shows in the newspaper, and I'll see all these white faces. And um, I used to sing in the National Choir when I was, like, about 10 years old. And my mom, I should mention, my mom had put me on stage when I was six to dance across the stage in, a, in, in my school's Christmas concert as the postman. She died when I was nine, so that's, this is very oh, wow to me because she made a shirt of uh news of paper christmas paper and she tagged some christmas cards on it and and i remember just dancing across the stage singing i'm a postman but then also i used to start holding uh penny concerts no money involved really but i will have my mom and my dad and my brothers and sisters um recite poems and my uncle had given me julius caesar and I remember reading Mark Antony's speech. I was probably like four or five, but um, I was that. That's was my influence. I don't know where it came from, but I was really drawn to acting. I didn't know much. I'll go to the movies, and I always thought that how did wondered how they got all these people behind the screen. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, dancing across the stage, <laughs> you, you studied at Alvin Ailey and performed yeah. with Ron Roach. And yes, uh, Alatunji went to the the Barbados with uh, for the Cari Festa um, celebrations. Um, I used to dance with them. I did with uh, Olatunji. Um, I was a member of the company, and I never really got to fully perform with them. I did several rehearsals, but two major performances were out of the country, and um, I couldn't make them at the time because I was committed to plays. But um, I studied dance. I actually was in Jesus Christ Superstar when it was coming back to Broadway. Well, did each of those music, uh, each of those dance companies, I'm sorry, Elvin Ailey and 
Olatunji and Ron Roach have different uh, expressions and styles? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Alvin Ailey was really for my edification as a dancer. Um, I studied ballet, jazz, you know, uh, the Horton technique. But I went around auditioning um, for shows because a friend of mine mentioned to me that, you know, you shouldn't just approach um, the arts as an actor. You should be... Uh, a triple threat, which is a singer and dancer also. So I started studying dance with Alvin Ailey. Um, when I was pretty, I was like 19, 20. So that wasn't that young. Um, I had some dance training in Guyana in, as I studied acting at the Theater Guild. But I Well, you also had an education in voice. Yes, I studied voice with um, Art Alexander because I was working on the movie Fort Apache, the Bronx, and uh, one of my friends mentioned to me there's a Jewish cantor who uh, teaches people to really sing opera. And so I went, mm-hmm. and it was very expensive, but I was amazed at the type of training you have to go through to become an opera singer. So I started studying opera with him, and then later I went to Andrew Frierson and then Catherine Wallace. And I actually performed at the Brooklyn Academy of Music in Ode to Panama, which was written by Carlos Russell. Um, you may know of him. He's, he's Panamanian, and he worked at, uh, I think he was a deputy ambassador for Panama, I'm not sure, at the U.N. But I did get Well, I see that your singing enabled you to travel as a goodwill ambassador yes, to I the United Nations singers. United Nations singers. Um, I was with them up to about three years ago. We toured Japan, but I traveled. Um, we've been down to South America, to Argentina, Brazil, and uh to across Europe, um, I've sung in uh, Belgium, Antwerp, and uh, at, in Holland, there was a festival for the United Nations, and uh, we went to two cities in Germany, and um, we've been down to the Caribbean. Actually, my first trip to Jamaica was to sing, to raise money for cancer in Jamaica. Uh, so wow, I did that's that. interesting. Yes. And we sing well, also, I, I read that you had to sing in the original language of each country. So do you have a knack of with languages? Well, yeah. Well, you know, I studied Spanish in Spain. I actually went to school in Spain for a little while to study Spanish. But um, I we learned the songs phonetically. So okay. we would I I basically pick up any song in a language, and once I get the phonemes, um, I could, you know, get the words phonetically, and we will have interpreters tell us what we're singing, so we won't be singing anything, you know, that's negative. Um, But we would sing the songs in their language, including Chinese, Japanese. Mm. (laughs) Chinese is, Japanese to me is not a difficult language to learn as long as you know the vowels, but Chinese is difficult, isn't it? Because you could be saying the same thing and have different meanings because it depends on the Tune, right at the tone. Yes, that is true. We, we thank goodness in the in the choir we had um, at least about three interpreters, and uh, they would guide us. We had people who spoke Chinese, and um, even I've never gone to China. The choir has been there, I think, twice, but um, we do have people who will correct us if we're, uh, and sometimes it could be a bit tedious because you would be thinking you're saying the correct 
pronunciation, but the person in the choir says, no, 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 you've got to, you know, put your tongue a certain way. And it's sometimes difficult when you're doing a South African song to do the, the clicks, <laughs> which I try to do. Oh, well, yeah, so yeah. I'm, I'm successful. Mary Makiba was great at that. Oh, I loved her. I met her. I had the opportunity to meet her and um, in Guyana as a child. She came to see a show I was in at the Theater Guild. And um, I met her at a party, and um, she signed an autograph for me of her album I had. And I actually, oh, when I wonderful. I signed it the same way she did for mine. <laughs> Sorry, you said what? I, when I signed oh, you didn't sing it the same way she did. Oh, give mm-hmm. a sign mine, yes. Lovely person. Well, uh, I have to mention, and because this is worthy of mentioning, that you are well degreed. Uh, you have earned a BA in a degree in theater and English, a master's in criminal justice, a master's in drama therapy, and and working on a Ph.D. I was doing and, a Ph.D. in educational theater and drama therapy, and um, the program got changed at NYU, so I ended up with a second master's, and the Ph.D. credits are there for me to use or abuse. <laughs> I decided <laughs> to continue for now. Um, uh, but I did do, you know, the PhD studies in, uh, educational theater. Um, but at this stage of my life, I don't think I'll complete my doctorate. I, I don't care to be called Dr. Shaw. I like Rudolph or Rudy. That's fine. <laughs> oh, okay. Cause I was going to ask you that if you're interested in pursuing that, cause that's difficult. Uh, PhD is not easy to get and it takes years, doesn't it? Yeah. Yes, um, and you know, quite a I, lot I, of study completed, but um, I I stopped and I said, look, let me concentrate on doing drama, running the theater company, and acting, and that's what I do now. Yeah, better to to, to deal with reality than theory, because what's you you're you're going in for PhD and it's basically studying and the theory of what you want to do, but if you're already doing it, hey, you're there. Exactly, exactly. Um, well, I, yeah, as I said, I was a bit disappointed with that. Um, I, you know, so I dealt with it like many of the other students who were in the program. Um, a lot of us um, said, look, you know, let's just cut our losses and have a second master's degree. Um, but the, they offered us a PhD credit at there whenever you, some, some people took it up and completed a PhD in educational theater. Um, I just, I was one of those who just left it as it is <laughs> because I well, did have to. Well, it seems like you have. Go ahead. No, no, I, I did have to write a thesis, and I did that, and that was okay. Okay. But you can um, well, since I was going to say that, it seems that your 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 main degrees are in the arts, but you earned a, a master's in criminal justice. Did you have yeah. a plan to become? A criminal lawyer at one time, or well, why did yes. you, you know, that? I told you, I, I, you know, when you think of Biko being influenced to be either a lawyer or a doctor, um, I, I had that same influence coming from that background, whereby um, to tell your parents you're going to be an actor, even though my father was an actor, but he worked as a as a craftsman, um, a pattern maker. Um, Acting was a no-no. And then I was raised in New York. Um, my uncle brought me here um, after I graduated from high school. And um, I worked for the airlines, and then I came here. And he said, well, you've got to go to college. 
And I said, well, I want to be an actor. And it's like, no way. <laughs> you got to be a doctor or a lawyer. And so I had the weirdest major in college. Uh, I, I neglected to let you know that until now. I was a pre-med student majoring in English and theater. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, obviously, Biko spent a large part portion of his life trying to obtain justice, so it's kind of interesting that you went after that degree and later down the road um, got involved with Biko. So let's talk about that. Yes. Um, did you write Biko Rising in collaboration with others, and, and was the former director of the Biko Foundation, uh, is his name Mbotwe? Mbotwe. Mbotwe. Actually, he came into the scene later. Um I the, the original piece was called Steve Who Biko because um, whenever you mentioned um, Steve Biko to folks in New York, they were like, "Be who? What?" <laughs> uh, a lot of them didn't know it. And as a matter of fact, Mandler was here. He left uh, two weeks ago, and he too was amazed. He said, "You know, I'm, I'm telling people about Steve Biko, and they don't know about him." I said, that's the same thing I experienced. That's why my original work was Steve Who Biko. And how I embarked on that, I was at the UN, and um, I happened to be in a chat with a, 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 a gentleman from South Africa. And he said, well, you know, I, I told him that I have this longing for people from the Caribbean and the USA, from the, this part of the African diaspora, to communicate more with our brothers and sisters in Africa. And so I was mentioning that to him, and he said, well, you know, he's related to Steve Biko through marriage. And wow. if I thought of writing something on Biko, I said, well, it would be nice to get a play on him. I heard Denzel Washington did a movie, but I had never seen it. He said, ah, don't worry about that. You write your own thing. I said, well, where do I start? Because the only thing really I heard about Steve Biko was someone wrote an article and they said, when Steve Biko died, I cried, I cried. And I was like, that was so poignant to me. And that, that, I always remember that. And it, 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 you know, and it was like an impetus to find out more, but I just never had the time. And so when he mentioned that, he said, um, get the book, I write what I like. Um, and it's by Steve Biko. He did it under the name Frank Talk. And I think I went to the drama bookstore. I'm not sure, but I got the book and I started reading it and reading it. And it's like, wow, this is this is really powerful. And at the, the library, I think one of the libraries in Queens had asked me to do a performance of something. And I said it would be nice to write about Biko and just do it at the library. And based on things he had told me about Biko's childhood, I kind of did a drama. Let me know what's the correct word. A bit of drama about his childhood and a father and, you know, the father being beaten by the police and stuff. And I brought in other characters in terms of his writings. Like um, one thing that fascinated me is it seems as though he predicted his death. And you're actually able to reenact his death before he actually is killed. And um, so I wrote all these things, and I took it to the library, figuring, figuring no one will really come. They don't know about Biko. And it was a very cold night, and I was astonished that the place was filled. And the people loved it, but they said, 
it was too short. We wanted more. <laughs> I said, well, look, it was a little over half an hour, and I didn't expect anybody to come. So I did a couple more performances, and um, I was at uh, an actor's conference and uh, at the Graduate Center, the Martin Seagull um, Graduate Center for uh, CUNY. And I ran into a South African, and I mentioned to him what I was doing, and he said, oh, you should speak to this guy, Man- Mandler and Bothway from the Biko Foundation. So when he went back to South Africa, he did a three-way call and linked us together. And so we started communicating, and he invited me to come to South Africa. I had been to South Africa before to work for the UN, so I was pretty familiar with Johannesburg and Cape Town. And so I went not as a tourist but on a mission. And I met I met Manglet Artscape and I got I spent a week with them. They had a festival of black theater and I noticed they had similar problems to what we have here. Um but we did we talked about Biko a lot and so we decided to rewrite the work that I wrote called Steve Who Biko and call it Biko Rising. Um, to give Biko a voice for this 40th anniversary to commemorate his uh, passing. And that's where we are now. So I've been back there twice and um, rehearsed with him and some other dancers and uh, singers from you know Biko's area. And so we developed this piece called Biko Rising, and that's what we're going to present. Well, does it, is it a musical also? Is it filled it, it with dancing have... and, and music and... Yeah, dance, music, and the spoken word. Um, it's, uh, according to Mandela, it's giving Biko a new voice. So we call it Biko Rising because we're playing it as Biko Resurrecting in in the light of um, the Black Lives Matter movement and the mm-hmm. uh, police brutality that we've been experiencing, and I've experienced it, so I could talk about that. Uh, I mean, I was dragged off the train in Brooklyn like a criminal, like a piece of garbage, um, and the police actually told me, we want one black man every time the train comes in, and we charge you with not paying your fare. And that's how we get thrown into the criminal justice system, not having to commit a crime, but just by apparent design that, you know, things are orchestrated to get you into the criminal justice system. And um, so this is Biko coming back from the dead, <laughs> so to speak, um, to inspire the youths of today in terms of the struggles that they are facing. And that's why we're doing How has- how has his work impacted you as a person politically and in in term and also in terms of a sense of justice as to what is going on presently in America? We now have a president that seems to be encouraging hate and division. What are your thoughts about that and 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 your views in terms of having worked on the Biko project? Well, a lot of you know, it, it's very depressing at times. As a matter of fact, two weeks ago, someone asked what I thought of the president, and I said nothing. <laughs> I can't even start <laughs> talking. But the the fact that we still have to struggle um, to be you, to get your basic human rights, is, is a rather frustrating aspect of, 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 of civil society and, and being a human being on this earth. 
And I don't think we should just accept it as part of the fabric, but everyone should have an equal, you know, chance at life. And um, Biko's inspired me because Biko spoke a lot about not just black consciousness, but about facing fear, um, the, you know, recognizing that fear is instilled in you because they want to control you. And um, yes. he has speech in the play about um, counteracting fear and not being afraid. And as an actor, I know, you know, I am director, I tell actors a lot just before we go on stage get rid of all your fear because you cannot do this work if you are afraid yes there may be a little fear deep inside you but you keep it covered up and you be positive and pursue your objective when you're on stage in terms of playing a character and you will play that character you know to the best of your ability without fear and that's how Biko's work has inspired me in terms of facing what's going on right now. And I, I think you also worked uh, in terms of black consciousness about how racism affects the black psyche, the trauma it causes in terms of, well, trauma and, and one's feelings of self-worth or lack thereof. Mm-hmm. Would you say that is was also part of his, his uh, message? Oh, definitely, definitely. Um, you know, it's it's recognizing that it's not that you want to be racist. You don't want to uh, push aside other groups or even people from the group that oppresses you. But you want to come to a a recognition that or how could I say, an understanding with them that we are all in this life together and we should all respect each other. And yes, politics, you know, is to me a dirty game. I remember doing political science in Mm -hmm. college and my professor, before she started the class, and she was an ABC News analyst, and she said, um, whenever it comes to your political objective, bodies don't count, they don't matter, lives don't matter. And I was, what? She said, if you have to kill a million people in order to get your political objective, you do that. And I've noticed a lot of politicians doing that. And it's appalling to me that human beings could, you know, could really be so... Or just pawns in the game. Yeah, you know. And uh, I think we have to really hold them to task and say, no, that is unacceptable, that you are in office to help people. And I just can't accept that. Well, somebody's doing this. They're killing people with some, you know, over here and over there because of their political objective. I think we have to come to a point where we have to realize people are going to fight back. And so, therefore, we have to treat people fairly. And, well, I also know. want to mention that we're we're almost at the end of the show. I told you oh, to go well. fast. <laughs> and and I so I want to mention again that you'll be showcasing Biko Rising at the Castillo Theater in Manhattan yeah. on Saturday, June seventeenth, and at seven p.m. and on uh, Sunday, June eighteenth at two. And again, if people that want to get the tickets to see the show, call the Castillo box office at two one two nine four one. One, two, three, four. 
And, well, I want to yep. thank you, Rudolph oh. Shaw, for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. And pleasure. It's been my pleasure. And this is the Blake Radio Network, Rainbow Soap. Again, I'm Deirdre Schuler, your host, thanking my listeners for making my topic topically yours. And we're going to end the show with um, Peter Gabriel uh, singing Biko. And I hope to see you at the performance, if you can. Uh, Oh, yes. I'm I'm going to definitely try to be be there at the performance, no doubt about that. Okay. Okay, here we go. Um, Biko. been listening to the Blake Radio Network Rainbow Soul.